TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to a place of wellness and healing for both your body and mind. Get ready to live a happy, healthy, whole food life that totally rocks. You're listening to Shiny Healthy You, the straight-talking natural health show for busy women, with your host and naturopath, Jules Galloway. Today's guest is the owner of a business called The Space In Between. She's an experienced Reiki master teacher and shamanic healing facilitator based in Melbourne, Australia. Don't you laugh yet, woman. I'm not finished. (laughs) She sounds pretty cool, doesn't she? My guest loves working with people who are looking for a deeper truth and meaning to their lives by helping them discover their innate power. And it gets better. With her guidance, you can connect to your inner compass and trust your heart's truth. She can teach you how to connect and balance the masculine and feminine energies within, and that will help you come back from the brink of burnout. Look out, shiny sisters. We are getting a little bit woo-woo today, and I know you're up for it. So please welcome to the show the very lovely Sarah Brooke. Woohoo! Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me and hello to everyone that's listening. I'm so excited to have you on the show today. We haven't had a Reiki person before. So can you please just give us a little bit of background on yourself? How did you get into doing all this type of work? It's uh, a funny story. (laughs) (laughs) It certainly wasn't something that I sought out to do. It was something that really found me uh, at the right time when I needed it. Uh, During my 20s and even through my teenage years, I think I was always seeking something but didn't even really know that I was seeking something and that there was this void within me that I would often fill with partying lots. Uh, At that time, particularly in my early 20s, I was working full-time in a corporate job as an account manager at Coles Meyer or when it was Coles Meyer. So big corporate, um, big accounts, and I was really living my life in a way that I thought I should. So I was ticking off the list of, yes, this will make me a fulfilled and happy person and a happy woman, but at the end of the day, I, I really wasn't. Behind the scenes and behind I guess the the happy facade that I was putting on underneath that I was really struggling with anxiety, depression. Uh, I had bulimia for quite a long time, for about ten years, and around my mid twenties of if in that moment of working my ass off during the week, partying equally as hard on the weekends, and having absolutely no downtime, I reached what I call my like breakdown breakthrough moment of just realizing that I couldn't continue uh, living my life in the way that I was. And there was a, you know, a precipice or a a thing that really cracked everything open was my parents actually separating. So I was in my mid twenties and, you know, my parents and my family were very much my rock. So when they separated and that family structure splintered, I lost my anchor. And in losing my anchor, I was really forced to find an internal anchor but I I remember just being in in a horrendous place and going off and seeing a psychiatrist at the time and I remember after speaking to him for maybe 10 15 minutes he wanted to put me straight onto meds like you know as of that session and I something within me rose I think it was probably the activation of my inner soul fire that was like 
no, this isn't the answer for me. I'm already taking enough drugs on the weekend. I don't need to be taking more during the week. And look, it's not that I'm against uh, mood-altering meds. I think they're amazing in for, for certain people at certain times. But for me, I knew it was a strong no. So I didn't go back to him. I asked around and ended up going and seeing this beautiful old retiree counsellor who was in her 70s. And I remember going to her and sitting on her couch, she had this little um, terrier dog. And as I'm spilling my guts out and telling her all of the things that were wrong with me and my life, her terrier dog was dry humping this teddy bear in the corner (laughs) of my eye. (laughs) I will always remember that moment because I'm there. And, you know, when I'd seen the psychiatrist, I had had the same conversation and he really validated to me, yeah, there is something wrong with you. Whereas when I spoke to this beautiful woman, Marion, I was like, you know, there's all of this stuff wrong with me. She just looked at me with such presence, love and compassion and said, there's nothing wrong with you, Sarah. You just have to start living your life for you instead of living it for everyone else. And do you even know what you want? And that was what started to crack everything open. And after leaving that first session, what she said to me was, I want you to start journal writing every day and I want you to find a meditation class. Uh, and that's where it all really began. I remember starting to journal write and just being horrified by, you know, the the toxic purging that was coming out of me and what I could see of how horrendously I was treating myself. And when I found a meditation class, it was a a weekly meditation class with this beautiful woman, Diane, who's now one of my closest friends. And it was such a, a blessing. I remember going to my first meditation class and experiencing this peace and also this relationship to my inner self that I'd never experienced before. And I realized in that moment that it was exactly what I was looking for. And there the journey sort of blossomed from there. Soon after starting meditation, uh, I ended up (laughs) leaving my corporate job. I got offered a retrenchment package with a a nice sum of money after working there for five or six years. So with a a, a lump, lump sum of cash in my bank account and no idea what I wanted to do next. I think I went to like a mind, body, spirit festival, picked up every flyer known to man, came home, dumped all the flyers on my bed and there was one for Reiki that stood out. I had no idea what Reiki was uh, and decided on a whim to book into the Reiki One training. <laughs> I still <laughs> laugh at myself because I had no, like, no idea. I was such a you know, my my experience of life had been quite narrow to that point and definitely in the mainstream and not alternative at all. Um, but much like the meditation class, when I went to the Reiki One training, I sat there and everything that my teacher said, I was like, oh, my God, you're filling the blanks of everything that I've wondered about in life that I felt that was missing uh, when it came to me actually receiving a Reiki treatment. And in the Reiki training, you receive Reiki from you know, four or five people working on the same person at the same time. It was oh, such this bliss opening experience for me. So again, the same as what I'd experienced with meditation, just this beautiful deepening into life, into myself and the capacity to tap into something that was much bigger than me. And that's something that we're, we're all made of. And I mean, I call Reiki, it's just pure love. Um, and it's the creative force that runs through all of life. So the same way we look at a tree or a flower and it goes through its growth process and there's an intelligence that runs through that, 
is Reiki. It's the same for us when we fall over and say we skin our knee. We know that there's a, a healing intelligence within the body that will block blood flow to that area, encourage skin restoration, and we just sort of take for granted that, yeah, my body's going to heal itself. Well, there's an intelligence that runs through that, and that intelligence is what Reiki is. So it's part of us. It's not something separate from us. It's not something that we necessarily are even channeling to use. I think it's one of the most common misconceptions. Um, and it was, you know, such a expansive journey and I really haven't looked back. It's all um, flown on from there. In what way do you think Reiki can help us? Like what, what sort of people, because it sounds like you yourself were quite burned out and and really seeking and really confused and and mm-hmm. and that's when that came into your life um how can reiki help other people look i think one of the main things that i'm passionate with about as a teacher is to really let every like if everyone in the world did their reiki one training oh what a magical world it would be it's not necessarily um just for people that are, are are really seeking something. It's not just for people that are seeking, say, for example, a connection to spirituality or the sacred, um, even though that is a flow-on effect. Reiki is really for everyone because it's that naturally occurring loving intelligence that flows through the body. So when someone uh, goes and has a Reiki session with a practitioner or goes and does their Reiki training, it is amplifying that uh, consciousness within the body and allowing people to really, I think the number one thing that the Reiki One training did for me and the number one thing that I see that Reiki does for my clients is it um, slips them and snaps them and shifts them out of a victim mindset and really makes them uh, feel empowered and connected and in flow with life again. Yeah, that it sounds it sounds like it's really it helps people to feel more connected as well. Definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Now, I love that after the Mind Body Spirit Festival, you came home and it was like that particular brochure jumped out at you. So, it mm. so- it sounds like you were kind of operating on instinct and flow rather than looking at it in kind of a more scientific way or an analytical way. So, talk to me about instinct. Because I, I get this sense lately that when I see a lot of clients, a lot of women, I feel like they've lost their instinct and that their anxiety and, and the, they get, the, the anxiety takes over the decision making process and they're getting very cerebral about decisions. And uh, a lot of what I do when I'm talking to clients is trying to bring them back into being able to have that gut instinct again. So talk to me about that. Uh, absolutely. I think the number one difference of with where instinct lies is instinct is in our bodies. So it's more of a felt sense than it is a thought. So I know for me, when I was in that burnout mode, part of the reason of, of that had become from just operating from the mind too much um, and from thought. And I think that's just a, a symptom of our sick culture at the moment. We've all been conditioned to think our way through life uh, and to really, you know, it's it's overachieving, consuming, go, 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 overgiving, uh, and that um, really flicks us into our mind. And when we've been in our mind for too long, it is like the body starts to give us these signals and these alarms of, hang on, you need to be paying attention to what's going on in the here and the now. So I think the number one tip that I can give people to reconnect into their instincts is to get back into their actually their felt 
sense of their body. Within uh, the energy system of the body, there's a, a chakra point, which is the base chakra, which sits at the base of the spine. The base chakra rules our, our connection to the earth. It's also its primary function is really focused on secure, uh, security, survival, and our connection to, to the tribe. It's also where our animal-like instincts reside. Uh, and it's the first thing that we'll disconnect from when we've been operating from that logic mind too much. And it's the number one thing that we need to reconnect back in with uh, in order to be able to navigate through life. And it's much like I use the example with my students and clients. It's like animals. When there's a, a natural disaster that's happening or occurring, whether or not it's a volcano, a tidal wave, an earthquake, the animals are out of there. Like they're out of there often days in advance because they're in a guidance system, their instinctual nature is really connected into the earth. So it's like they start to feel, sense and perceive, okay, this isn't safe for me anymore and they'll get out of there. Whereas humans, most of us (laughs) live in the West, (laughs) are so fused in our minds and we're so disconnected from our bodies that we've lost our instinctual sense. So you know, we build houses on fault lines and <laughs> floodplains and then it's all hysteria when nature does what nature does. And I think that's a great analogy just for life as well. Like there are going to be times in our life when like earthquakes occur or deaths occur or massive changes in our life occur. And if we're not connected to our instincts, it makes it a terrifying occurrence. And of course, there's going to be a lot of anxiety and fear because we're disconnected from our instincts. And, you know, women in particular have got such a a potent inner navigational system. But if we're not giving to ourselves, if we're not checking in with our inner worlds, then we're really like a, a boat without an anchor just will go with the flow or be drawn into the chaos of the overwhelm of what's going on. And I think that's why now there's such an epidemic um, in women in particular, but I work with men as well, who are suffering from adrenal fatigue, chronic fatigue, or women where they've got womb-related issues like polycystic ovaries, horrendous PMS symptoms, things like that, because it's such a call of, hello, we're disconnected from the earth and our bodies and our, our deeply instinctual feminine nature. And when I talk about the feminine and masculine, it's gender aside, all regardless of whether or not you're a male or a female, we all have these um, masculine and feminine polarities that work within us to make us whole. And because our culture has conditioned us all to be in more of the extreme masculine, so the yang of doing, achieving, conquering, thinking, this is just now a symptom of Mother Nature really rising and going, hello, we have totally lost balance here. And we're seeing that not only within our bodies, but we're seeing it externally in the world with, you know, the environmental disasters and changes that are occurring uh, as well. So it's, you know, it's a big thing of our time and for our generations. It's huge. And one of the things that, that really troubles me at the moment is that separateness that we have in the way that we live, like mm. especially when women pop out one or two babies. Oh, yes. And they're literally like at home in this little bubble and then, you know, their mates up the street with their babies in their little bubble and someone's two suburbs over in their house in their little bubble and no one's connecting. Like, no, it, it's it, no I'm wonder actually work. feeling so emotional as you're talking about that because it is we've lost connection to the tribe 
um, and the community. And for women in particular, we we need our sisters around us. Like we men um, tend to be like I guess the best analogy that I can give in terms of the different ways that men and women operate. And this isn't a, a sexist thing at all. It's just a, a, of how the energy works. Men are really ruled by the sun. So they, you know, can go out and conquer the world and do it as a solo journey. And, of course, women go through that at different points in their lives as well. But when it comes to women, we're ruled more by the moon and that we go through cycles. But for raising children in particular, it's it's massive and it's something that is really, you know, we need the tribe around us. We need the sisters to support us. Otherwise, it's no wonder that there's all these mums out there that are burnt out. They've got postnatal depression. They are, you know, running on nervous energy and adrenal fatigue. And it's such another indicator of we we can't do it alone, nor should we uh, have to. But I think there's also this splinter within sistership as well, where because we're all um, disconnected from our feminine nature and a lot of us, we can't really trust or we've had... um, you know, incidents in high school or whenever it was where we couldn't really trust the women around us to support us for whatever reason, or there was a, a competition that was running through it. So we've really learned how to be, you know, self-sufficient or just to have to do it alone. But we've also watched, I guess, our mothers and our grandmothers doing exactly the same thing of, I, I feel like, you know, it's a flow and effect of the industrial age where a lot of the men have gone off to work or even in the pre-baby boomers a lot of the men had gone off to war so there wasn't men around so women really had to do it all and we can do it all but it's much better when we've got the the sistership around us supporting us and the community supporting us and you're exactly right as everyone is isolated in little box houses even though we're so connected online we're so disconnected um, in the areas that really matter yeah and and if we can do it all and should you know should we do it all like it just because you can do it all like are you sure it's not going to be at the expense of something like maybe your adrenals are going to turn into tiny little sultanas (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's like you know doing it all and I know from my my journey I don't personally have kids but I um, have gone through burnout a couple of times obviously once in my early 20s and then again uh, a year into when I moved into my business full time as well. So, you know, my baby has been my work where I've really um, self-sacrificed and just worked ridiculous hours and not switched off and turned my adrenals into sultanas, which is sort of ironic <laughs> considering I'm the one that's meant to be holding space for others. Uh, don't, don't worry, hun, <laughs> I've done it too. <laughs> you know, it's indicative though because what I've had to realise is within my business I'm um, in a giving role and I'm holding space, much like what mothers do for their children's and families. But the interesting thing is, is when we're in an energy of giving, we're actually in our masculine yang energy. We're not, you know, a lot of the time we can think our oh, women are, are givers and that's a feminine quality. Women, you know, just want to give and share love. That's our nature and that's what we'll do. But the feminine nature itself is more about receptivity of going within, its sensuality of allowing rest and being states. That's the feminine essence at its core, not when we're giving. And I think it's probably one of the things that I see the most and with my female clients in particular, they're like, oh, I thought it was a feminine thing to to give. I'm like, well, it is a, a beautiful womanly thing to want to share love but at our detriment if we're not giving to ourselves. 
then there's going to be issues. Yeah, because giving is still doing and doing is masculine, yeah. right? Definitely. Right. Yeah. Right, right. Oh, that's that makes things so much clearer. I like yes. that. <laughs> so, Sarah, talk to me about uh, this whole epidemic of busy women. What happens to our energies when we're always rushing around and leading a life that's really full on? Well, much of what you've suggested before, if we're always giving, 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 it's like from an energetic perspective what I'll see with people is that's uh, the centre that gets really affected by that is the solar plexus. So the solar plexus is much like our inner central sun. It sits and is connected to uh, the belly and the stomach and the digestion and that centre sends energy and vitality through the body. Now, if someone's in a, uh, an addictive giving state or an overgiving state, it's like all of their energy is um, going out of the body and there's nothing left for it to, to function within. So it's like you're giving away all of your juiciness to the world around you and much like a, you know, a fruit or, a, um, you know, you go from like a, what's the best analogy for you're going to use sultanas for adrenals. It's like, you know, <laughs> you go from being like this juicy, juicy peach, like a woman who's full of pleasure, um, full of energy is like this juicy peach. And when she's like that, she can give from her overflow centers, like just, you know, from this really loving and abundant place. Whereas um, over time, if she gives all of her juice away, she's going to turn into this shriveled sultana. And how can she give from that space? And how can she even then function in the world? We then flip into basic survival mode where the, the head really is running, the flight, um, flight fight function of the body which I'm sure your listeners have heard you talk about in previous all, podcasts all the time <laughs> <laughs> where we're just yeah running on pure survival and so when that happens you know our mind function is uh, impaired our emotions go haywire I would say uh, you know feminine period cycle would be a horrendous time because when we're bleeding or just before we're bleeding is a time when the feminine body is really sending the strongest signals of truth of what we need to focus on in our life of what we need to focus on uh and within our bodies so yes Mm, yeah and I think that sometimes it's easy to turn a blind eye to the fact that things are out of balance like you just Mm. kind of go oh no I've got too much on my plate I've just got to get through x y and z and then I'll slow down and I know I'm a bit out of balance at the moment but I've just got to get through January and then I'll be fine so you know in terms of balancing the masculine and the feminine like Mm. what are the warning signs that we're out of balance what should we be looking for in order to to know that we have to stop to fix it Well, all the obvious ones that I'm sure your listeners are aware of, so fatigue, anxiety, overthinking, but also another one um, for women in particular and and men as well to be aware of is if they start to get really angry and frustrated for they might not even be able to put their finger on what it is or if they start to resent their loved ones in some way, that's often an indicator that something uh, has fallen out of ba- uh, balance. You know, anger gets anger is probably one of the most mismanaged emotions of the entire <laughs> human spectrum. <laughs> we tend to either repress it. I'm not angry. I'm not angry. God, the amount of clients I've had where they're sitting opposite to me, and I'll say to them, "What's your relationship with anger like? 
I don't get angry. And I think, oh, fuck mm. me, here we go. <laughs> Everyone gets angry, right? Everyone gets angry. And if you're not getting angry, then I also know, boom, you've got no boundaries. There's going to be energy leaks going on everywhere. Um, or otherwise what other people will tend to do with anger is that they will project it onto someone else or there's like temper tantrums or sulking or manipulation and we've just, well, look, this is an epidemic that we've learnt from the, the generations that have come before but anger, you know, if one thing I can get your listeners to really embrace is their anger, to get in touch with their anger because anger is always a signal. It comes from the solar plexus from the lower three chakras of that knock-knock, something isn't right here. You're not managing your energy in the best way or there's been a boundary that's been invaded or something needs adjusting in your life because we only really get angry when we need to protect ourselves or a loved one, really. Um, so getting in touch with the anger and going, okay, well, what actually needs adjusting in my my life and taking that gift? And I think as well, you know, anger's gift is, also learning how to say no and get on the no train, as I say to my clients. We love the no train here at yes. Shiny Healthy You. <laughs> Best thing ever. And really unraveling from perhaps the guilt and the shame that then comes of, oh, if I if I let this person down or if I don't do this for my child, am I a bad mother or a bad friend or a bad sister or daughter? Uh, and, and I'm sure your listeners have heard this analogy before, but it's much like when we're on an airplane, <laughs> if the airplane's <laughs> going to crash, they constantly say you need to put the oxygen mask on yourself first and then your family members because if you can't breathe and you can't function, you're going to be useless to the people around you uh, yeah. anyway. Yeah. Yeah, and, and what I've been learning a lot lately, even in my own life, is you can't just flog yourself for like six days and then fit your oxygen mask for like half an hour. You can't just go boom, 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 you know, work, 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 um, give, 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 and then go to a yoga class. It, it's more than that. It, you, it's not <laughs> I, like taking a Panadol for a headache. It's, it's, no. you have to bring it into your daily life, not just use it as a, as a, a quick fix at the end of your busy day. Yeah, and this is why, particularly, you know, with adrenal fatigue, chronic fatigue and some wound-related issues, it takes months and years to come back into balance. And so often what I'll say to my clients is, you know, as awful as this is, as challenging and hard it is, it's actually an initiation into the feminine energy. And I've noticed particularly since around 2012, you remember when that was all that hysteria, the end of the world, the Mayan calendar's ending. and I know. Waiting. We're still here, Sarah. We're yeah, still here. Waiting for that <laughs> meteor to hit or whatever it was meant to, the zombie apocalypse or whatever. Oh, going no. On. But what actually happened was much more energetic in nature. There was a real activation of the feminine and a real rising of the feminine nature. And what I saw that was when I hit a burnout uh, and I've seen so many other people go through these uh, initiation journeys in their life. So maybe it was burnout for them. Maybe it was a relationship breakdown, a, a career change. Birthing a child can be another feminine initiation of, you know, the way I've been living my life can't continue anymore. And how do I now manage my energy in a more balanced and whole way? And how do I get in contact with my body and my inner world and not be so obsessed, addicted and plugged into what's happening externally all the time about trying to find that balance. And so for some of us, 
it might have been a gentle blossoming and an amazing experience, but for many of us it's been a horrendous (laughs) (laughs) wake-up call, activation, challenge, breakdown, breakthrough type experience. Yeah, and I like how you said it's not until some women have a child that some of this stuff kicks in. And I would even go further and say it's sometimes not until they have the second child yeah, or, or maybe even the third child, because that—that's when they're landing on my doorstep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can imagine that for sure. And it's like, oh, I wish I'd had you four years earlier. <laughs> <laughs> what would it be good if these things were, you know, taught in school even about the balance? But I think, you know, this is where we've learned. I know for me, I went to. Um, uh, like a mixed primary school that wasn't necessarily primary school, but I went to a high school that was a private girls' school that was very much about empowering us that we could do anything that we wanted. But it, when I reflect on it now, it was quite masculine in nature. It was like we were taught to almost compete with the beautiful men in our lives that we could do anything. And I think, you know, for women, we've had to work fucking hard at getting our voices back. And in many areas in the world, we don't even have that. Um, so in having to break out of that, that masculine patriarchal system and to be heard as a woman, we had to fight. But I think for my generation, I'm 35. So for children of the eighties and the late seventies, it's like we had to go so hyper masculine and almost become men in nature to, to navigate through life. And so particularly, you know, when our generation, uh, has then had children, it's like, well, how the fuck do I manage being a mother? still having my other goals and aspirations that I know I, I, I can have and finding that balance. And I see with so many mums that I work with, they really struggle with the I can have anything, but I've got a family and I can't have everything. So they might be trying to juggle a business on the side of raising, you know, three or four children and then feeling horrible because they're not living up to this expectation of being able to do it all. Yeah. And I I just want to touch on upon that what you said about high school, which is really interesting that it was very competitive environment. Mm. So you're told that you can have anything you want. You just have to reach high and aim high and commit mm-hmm. yourself and rah, rah, rah. But you also might have to step on top of the person next to you to, to go and get that thing. And so yeah. it's, it's not a collaborative approach, is it? It's no. very competitive approach. And I just, I, I wonder what that does to women and um that like it's it's right it's the opposite of what you do in your business isn't it because you actually bring women together and you have gatherings and you have these workshops and events where they're actually getting together and connecting on that level so tell me why we need that oh gosh we need it on so so many levels it's really moving from that paradigm exactly that of competition into collaboration women need other women around them to grow and I think often what happens that I see and I know I have this experience in my life is say um, you're going through something emotional and you or a, a challenge or an obstacle in your life and you take it to a girlfriend, often we've been conditioned as women to then try and fix that woman. So we let her listen and then we'll, we'll talk her through it and give her all these suggestions and advice and look at me, I'm so good and worthy giving my friend all of this advice and this is the way I help. Or otherwise, we then start sharing stories of victimhood. So it's like, okay, I'm going through this. Oh, that's happened to me too. So I see women particularly, you know, they might get together and bitch about their partners. Like, oh, he's not doing this. He's not doing that. And it becomes this really catty, toxic energy. Or we bitch about our other sisters around us or whatever it is. And that's a way of gathering energy. But it's so toxic and draining when we do that. 
versus what I will really encourage in my circles, in my group gatherings, um, and empower my clients one-on-one is when there's a sister that's in need, she just needs to be held in presence with exactly how she is. She wants to be acknowledged, uh, you know, something along the lines of she's feeling sad. I understand that you're really sad. You know, is there anything I can do for you? I'm here for you. And just being held and listened to in presence is often what we're really desiring. And then to focus on uh, you know, really empowering that woman and giving her power back and going, you know, you can get through this. What are you feeling is going to be the best for you to move through this um, rather than trying to fix her as well? I think there's that, a big difference in that because I know for myself if I'm going through something and I've got women around me trying to fix me and throw advice at me, it's just like, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't want these. I don't want these. I just want someone to acknowledge how I'm feeling, so I know that I'm not doing this alone. But also not to keep me in the 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 really dense energy of what it is. But just to you know, once feelings have often been acknowledged, they're messengers. Then the the answers will will shift and and come and find us. Yeah, we don't have to rush out and fix our broken friends. We just need to be with them. I, I think that's, I, I have that with my husband too. Like he just yeah. wants, he just wants me to be better. Or, you know, if I'm sad, he just wants me to be happier. He just wants to fix it in the fastest way possible. Oh, men, and that's and lovely. It's, just, it's lovely. Exactly. That's, but that's men's like primal nature is they just want to protect, serve their minds. Are like, okay, they're quite solution orientated. There's this brilliant book. If your listeners haven't read it, get on it. It's called The Queen's Code by Alison Armstrong. She really talks about the different dynamics between men and female. And one of the biggest takeaways I took from that book was, you know, a lot of females fall into the trap of expecting that the beautiful men in their life are like their girlfriends. So they'll be expecting their man to give them the support that a, a woman might. And they they just don't. That's, they're, they're not. They are going to be more solution focused <laughs> of, oh, you're worried about that. Here you go. Just fix it this way. <laughs> and then we sit there scratching our heads like, why? why is he not doing what I want him to do? Yeah, and then a flow-on effect of that is that often as women will become really naggy and crack the shits about other things and be like, you didn't take the rubbish out. And that is like nails against the blackboard for a man and really quite emasculating as well. So often that can be an indicator of where we're running on empty too, of where we're disconnected from our feminine nature as we'll start lashing out at other people um, around us and it can definitely um, affect the intimate relationship uh, as well. Yeah, and and we're definitely not putting the women's movement back 50 years by having this conversation. It's just about fine-tuning the way that you communicate with people, isn't it? Yes, and I think this is part of the women's movement of rather than it having to be women now dominating men or being better than men or whatever it is of finding the balance. Like the men in our life are so beautiful. The masculine energy is is needed. We have it within us as well, but rather than uh, it being either or it's like how can we create a synergy between the both because you know on the planet it's been about 5,000 years that we've been in this masculine energy but before that it was more feminine and the feminine was dominant so I think now of everything that I've felt in healing sessions in my meditations it's about bringing the two together in union and then often we're then whole that's way where we've ultimately desi- been designed it's the way that the nature externally to us works so we can take a lot by looking at external nature and how things grow and shift because we're exactly the same on an, an inner level. Yeah, I love that. Love it. Uh, tell me, there's there has to be some people out there listening right now who are 
curious about this stuff, but it can be a, a bit daunting or even sometimes a bit scary. They're not used yeah. to dabbling in this side of things. What's a simple kind of non-threatening way for them to get started? Uh, yeah, and I, I totally agree with you. I find that there is a lot of people that have fear or uncertainty about this. Look, I think in particular um, around Reiki, if you were wanting to experience even just giving a Reiki to yourself, I've got uh, on my website, a self-healing practice that I designed originally for my Reiki students, but then I turned it into something that anyone could use because everyone has Reiki naturally through them. Um, it's the intelligence that runs through the body. It's the healing energy that runs through the body and you have an ability to work with it and expand it. So that is a really simple, I think it's like 25 minutes, half an hour practice of just exploring uh, the energy within the body. There's also, uh, if people are wanting to explore meditation really easily, oh, I'm so excited about this. There's an app called Insight Timer. It's available on all like Apple phones, iPhones and Androids. It's totally free. There's 3,000 meditations on it at the moment and that's wow. growing. Cool. Yeah, it's incredible. Um, and there's heaps of meditations on there. There's three of mine and there's one of mine that's just called a daily chakra cleanse. It's 15 minutes so it's much shorter and I know for your audience in particular who might only have like little gaps of time um, that one might be better suited in terms of the time just for them to start to to feel into their body and you know an exercise that I take actually I might even take your listeners through it right now it's a really simple like 30 second two minute exercise of just exploring um energy really so I'll take you through it as well let's do it <laughs> So you want to close your eyes and bring your hands together in prayer pose. So just bringing the left and right palms together. And then I want you just to vigorously rub your hands backwards and forwards. So you're creating all this uh, friction and heat between your palms. So just rubbing it so you're feeling them really warm. There's energy centers that exist within the palms of the hands that are very much connected into the heart. So our hands are where we give and receive love from, but it's also where we can really feel and perceive that love and the energy vibration. So just really vigorously, nice and hot. And then stopping. And then I want you just to gently, gently expand your hands, probably only about two centimetres apart so that they're not touching but almost touching just really focusing on that sensation between the hands. And then just exploring, gently expanding the hands wider than the two centimetres. So you might go out to 10 centimetres, but really staying connected to that sensation between the hands, that there's something there. And then bringing them back together and just exploring, bringing them backwards and forwards and just noticing whatever you notice. Everyone perceives energy quite differently. There's no right or wrong. You might not perceive anything and that's okay. The energy body expands about an arm's width around the body. 
And so when we open up the energy centers of the hands by rubbing them backwards and forwards, it just makes the hands a bit more sensitive to feeling that there is like a, a magnetic field, an electricity, a vibration. And so everyone, everyone can perceive energy. It's just because we haven't been taught and our brains uh, aren't focusing on that because we've been taught to focus on other things or it's the physical is only real. We can't feel or perceive the unseen world. But, you know, our energy bodies is much like <laughs> electricity. If electricity is running through a current, we can't see it, but we'll know about it if we stick a fork into the socket. <laughs> <laughs> and so our, our energy systems are the same. I remember a teacher of mine giving me the analogy of a cyclone. And if you looked out onto an open field and there was a, a cyclone there, often what we're seeing, like if we've all seen the movie Twister, I'm assuming, is that there's these massive torrents of energy where there's trucks and dirt and stuff being flicked up and thrown around. But if all of that dirt and debris and trucks were moved, we wouldn't be actually able to see the cyclone energy with our physical eyes. We only see the result of the energy. So Reiki energy, our energy field is exactly the same. It's not something that we're ever really going to be able to see with the eyes. It's something that we feel. So what did you experience when you were pulling your hands backwards and forwards? It felt I I love that that was that was awesome. It felt like there's a little ball in there, mm -hmm. like, like it was like a round kind of ball in there, and I could kind of feel like a stretching between my two hands, like a almost like a rubber band kind of feeling. Yes, yes, that's such a common one. You know, sometimes people will feel heat or cooling. Uh, for some people that are more visual, when their eyes are closed, they might actually see color or. Uh, see symbols for others they might hear things so everyone perceives energy differently and I think that there's a, a lot of material out there for more of like clairvoyant stuff where people actually do see I personally don't see anything I'm all feeling based so you know everyone can just start to explore their energy body just simply by experimenting and noticing okay what's going on and we feel it anyway it's like it is that gut instinct or when we've got anxiety we feel the buzzing in the belly or the um the heart getting tight so just really getting in communion with what the body is, is showing you because those sensations are there for a reason and we uh, we do it instinctively anyway like if yes. a little child falls over in front of you and bumps themselves the first thing you do is rub it and rubbing it's Absolutely. not going to fix it physically. Like there's nothing about rubbing it that's going to help in that moment. In fact, you probably should be putting an ice pack on it. But yep. the first instinct you always do is you, you rub it or you do the kiss better. Yeah, and you see even with little kids, if they fall over, their hands will instantly go to that area where they've injured themselves. It's just instant. Um, and it's also, you know, when we're around a loved one that's uh, upset will often put our hand on their their mid back so we're actually cradling their heart chakra when we do it so uh, you know we've got the memory and the understanding of this in our bodies it is very instinctual it's just because our current culture it's just been forgotten and I think more than that it's not even forgotten it's been repressed or um, even demonized in many ways of well, well if you can't see it and prove it then it doesn't exist uh, there's a lot of nonsense out there as well, I find. Like for me as a facilitator and practitioner, <laughs> I'm very grounded. <laughs> and I want to empower people to know about their own energy body 
uh, and to really activate their own inner healer because that's what happens when someone goes to a Reiki um, for a Reiki session in that um, alchemical healing space. It's actually the practitioner is activating that client's healing energy within their body. They're not using any of their own. And I think that can be a, a common misconception, you know, in particularly maybe big clearing sessions, my clients will sometimes say to me, oh, my God, you must feel so drained. I'm sorry I gave you my yucky energy and all of that stuff. And I'm like, no, no, no. After every healing session, I feel really good. Um, and I'm always just working with the client's own energy field of really enhancing that. And we can do that ourselves. We really can be our own healer because that's what's happening whenever we're going to a healer or a practitioner. They're really just reflecting our own wisdom back to us or offering us invitations or suggestions. But then we feel into it and go, oh, does that feel right for me? Yes, no. And even if we blindly follow someone else's advice, if it's not right for us, we'll stop doing it or there'll be an indicator that, no, nah, this isn't working for me. Yeah. And I think that's the sign of a good practitioner as well. Like if you, mm. if you stumble across a practitioner who seems to think that it's them doing all the work, then oh, give God, those run. people a wide berth. <laughs> yeah. Run. <laughs> it's, it's actually, it's scarily common though, because I think there's, you know, a few practitioners out there and it, it all comes like, just down to, I think a lack of really solid education as well. And just misunderstanding that's been passed on and passed on like the absolute rubbish that I come across sometimes particularly <laughs> 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 online when I read comments and stuff about Reiki I'm like where the hell did you do your training what is this rubbish <laughs> I'm laughing <laughs> I'm laughing here because I live in Byron honey <laughs> oh, yeah, you hear it all. I remember someone saying oh someone had had a broken arm and they said oh don't go get Reiki the, the bone will grow back incorrectly what <laughs> so what the hell? Reiki is a naturally incurring intelligence in the body. It will help the bone grow back better, stronger. It amplifies physical healing. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Funny, <laughs> funny frustrating, but I've learned it's just about education and people understanding and it being really demystified. I think there is this because it's not so commonly uh, aware and there is some practitioners out there that have got a bit of a God complex and they won't say things or they'll say things that really disempower their clients. Um, that it's, you know, it's just caused a bit of uh, misunderstanding. But look, in the last 10 years since I've been practicing Reiki and meditation, you know, med meditation is mainstream now. There's no ifs or buts about that. And I, I know that Reiki will go that way in the next couple of years as well. There's more and more studies that are uh, investigating and getting the actual solid evidence of Reiki working. There's, you know, for example, in a hospital in New York, there's Reiki practitioners that are working with surgeons that they prepare the patients for surgery, then they work with the patients after surgery, and the results that they're seeing of how well patients are then healing is oh, amazing. I'm getting more doctors, like Western doctors coming to learn Reiki, more nurses, uh, like I had a dental nurse in my one of my last groups. Um, so there is more of that blending of taking the best of like Eastern uh, methodologies and mixing them in with uh, Western. And then ultimately that's what we're doing. We're bringing the balance of masculine and feminine because while in the West, in the Western medical system, it operates from more of a, I guess, a masculine principle. And in the East there's been, well, East is much more balanced, but it will appear to us to be more feminine in nature. I can't understand it. How's that working? Um, but the balance of both. So the other thing that I see, I'm sure you'd see this in Byron too, is that there can often then be when people are embracing an alternative treatment that they'll bypass Western uh, medical science and judge it and go, well, no, you don't need that, you need this. 
But, you know, there are times where you're really going to want Western medical science. Um, yeah. <laughs> and embrace it all because if Reiki that is that creative life force of all of life that's run through everything, then Reiki is in Western uh, drugs as well as it is in uh, our bodies naturally. There's no separation with that. So I'm a big one of holistic treatment, working with everything that just feels right to the individual rather than it having to be this either or mentality that's actually really dangerous. I know. That's the thing. If you break your arm, don't just do the Reiki on it. Go <laughs> go get the x-ray, right? <laughs> then the get put the cast on it. <laughs> then go get the Reiki on it. <laughs> And if it really hurts, they take some Panadol on Eurofin. too. <laughs> too far, mate, too far. <laughs> Sarah, it's been an absolute joy having you on the show today. I, I said before we hit record that I was, I'd been very much looking forward to getting you on the show and you have not disappointed. It's been <laughs> absolutely fantastic. Um, can you please let us know where people can connect with you, please? Yes, I'm on all the, the usual stations. So you can go to my website, which is spaceinbetween.com.au. Uh, I'm on also on Instagram, and that is Sarah, Sarah Space In Between, uh, and Facebook, The Space In Between. Uh, also, I think probably one of the, I have rituals. So rituals in my online shop, guided ones, where people can really be their own healer in their home. And I think for people that are wanting to just dabble a little bit, it could be a way of them just exploring and getting some support in a really inexpensive way and a non-threatening way. And there's one ritual of mine in particular that's really great for uh, adrenal fatigue and it's called Take Back Your Power. And it really helps people to understand where their energy is getting invested and not only that, to call it back. Uh, and there's another ritual of mine, which is a, a womb blessing ritual, which is really great for activating that feminine uh, nature and really connecting to the feminine nature within our body. So they're the two that I probably would think would be the best for Beautiful. your listeners. Beautiful. But thank you so, so much for having me. It's been a, um, a great chat. Yay. Yeah. And I will put all those links in the show notes too for anyone who's driving slash running slash whatever right now. And it's Sarah, it's Sarah, S-A-R-A and Brooke with an E on the end. Yes. Yes. Awesome. Thank you so much, Sarah. That was so much fun. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed getting just a little bit woo-woo with the lovely Sarah Brooke today. If you liked this episode, don't forget to hit subscribe because even though I'm over in Greece right now, we're still rolling out the episodes every single week and there are some absolute perlers coming up. Also, I've got a new free gift up on my website right now just for you. It's a seriously kick-ass ebook full of healthy dessert recipes. They're amazing and it's yours free right now over at julesgalloway.com. See you here next week. In the meantime, stay shiny and bye for now. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.